I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. In 2008, I gave up my 20-year career as a fashion buyer because I was disillusioned with how much product was being sourced overseas and I set out to uncover some of the amazing businesses that were still making in Britain. Since founding Make It British, I've discovered that there is not only still tons of manufacturing taking place in the UK, but that it's a thriving industry. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be telling the stories behind some of the best British-made brands and manufacturers and offering advice to those that want to make in the UK. So with no further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Make It British podcast. This is episode 10. Now, I've got something a little bit different for you this week because I thought I can't do a podcast about manufacturing and not get out and do some interviews in factories. So today I'm interviewing Katia Wildman, designer of the bombshell dress, and the interview takes place in the factory in North London where Katia's dresses are made. Just to give you a little bit of background about how I know Katia. So not long after I started Make It British, I got a phone call from a chap called Stuart Cass, who at the time was the sourcing director at clothing brand All Saints. He said he was interested in what I was doing and he wanted me to pop in and have a chat with him. Now, Stuart had been in the fashion industry for just as long as I had, and we're also both from Essex, so we had a bit in common there. But we also both remembered a time when pretty much everything was made in the UK. We chatted quite a while for quite a while about all the manufacturers that we knew and that the and the potential that there was for manufacturing in the UK going forward. So I kept in touch with Stuart and he came to quite a few of my trade shows and he's even spoken at one of them. And then I got a phone call and he said that his girlfriend, Katia Wildman, had a dress business and that she was manufacturing in Romania and that he thought she would be better off by making her dresses locally. Did I know a factory that I'd recommend that she could work with? So I pointed Stuart and Katia in the direction of a factory called Rayner, which was not far from where Katia was based in North London. And it's run by a chap called Rife. Now, Stuart knows his stuff when it comes to factories. He has worked in production for pretty much all of his career, and that has taken him to factories all over the world. And I knew he would like Rife's place. It's a fantastic, the quality is fantastic, and the people there are lovely. So... I recommended that he spoke to Rife and um, looked at having Katia's dresses made there in North London. Now, when it comes to finding a factory in the UK, you should never judge a book by its cover because the the Rainer factory, or Halo as it's now called, is not a pretty picture from outside. There's very little signage. It's in a rundown 1960s block on a residential estate in Edmonton in North London. But the quality of their manufacturing is brilliant. And I find that about many manufacturers in London, you just wouldn't even know that they were there. But they make beautiful products and the magic is all happening inside. So you'll hear in this interview, um, I'm speaking to Katia, not only about the success she's had since she has brought her manufacturing back to London from Romania, but why she is choosing to manufacture in London, how she is making that relationship work really well with Rife at Halo, um, the Halo factory. And you'll also hear from Rife Ali, who's the owner of the, owner of the factory and one of the machinists too. 
Now, this interview was recorded in a live factory environment, so there's quite a bit of background noise. But if, like me, you love the sound of whirring sewing machines and scissors cutting through quality cloth, then you are going to love this. Right, with no further ado, let's go over to the interview with Katia. Hello, Katia. Hi, Kate. Isn't it fantastic to be in this place today? Do you want to start by telling everyone where we are? Well, I'm really excited that we're here, or you're here, because we're at Halo, and it's thanks to you that I am at Halo, because Halo used to be Rainer, and I was making my dresses in Romania, because my factory's in London, two of them had closed down. I was having all sorts of problems, and when I met my partner, Stuart Cass, who you know really well from British fashion. He basically said to me, the first thing you need to do is get out of Romania and bring your breast dress, bring your breast? (laughs) Bring your, (laughs) bring your, bring your breasts back to the UK, bring your dresses back to the UK. So I did. And, um, and he spoke to you and you said that Halo would be a good fit. Obviously they were then um, Rainer. And yeah, and what ha- what happened is I really began to understand what good was, what good looked like and how to make dresses. So where were you making them before, the dresses? Well, um, in London or in Romania, which one? You were making them in, all yeah. in Romania? I mean, I started in London um, and then the factories kept closing down and I went over to Paris to Premier Vision and there was this room full of manufacturers and there was just um, one guy from Romania. He said, I said, oh, because some of them were like, oh no, we need 3,000 pieces. And I was thinking, well, that's too many. Then this guy said, oh, we'll make you one. We'll make you a hundred. We'll charge you the same price for either. And I was like, oh, well, that sounds good. Seemed like a deal at the time. Yeah, I was like, okay, great. And then it sort of started this sort of process um, of, you know, of doing that. So what went wrong there? What, apart from Stuart saying you should be making them in the UK, what was the main reason that you reshored the production? Well, because we're such a small brand and we still are a, a teeny, teeny brand, it was impossible to have somebody on the ground over there, over like QCing things. That was the main problem. I wouldn't say that, um, so what that meant is that uh, if there was a delay, there was nothing we could do about it. So that was really difficult. And obviously there's always delays in production. And then if something wasn't measuring to spec or there's a problem with something, you couldn't do anything and you're paying pro forma until you've got a load of dresses and the sleeve's not right yeah. and you're a bit screwed. And yeah. So you're here, we're here today at Halo. So obviously if I can hear all the, the busyness of the factory going on in the background. How often do you come here? I come here as often as I can um, because actually I I really like it here and I come here at the weekend as well. I go, oh, I'm just going to go over to the factory and um, I just really like it. I love the people. I love the energy. Um, for me, it just... I just find it exciting. You could tell that when you walked in, everyone's like, hello, and everyone, you're the kind of superstar that arrives at the factory. So many designers that I speak to don't get into a factory and go and speak to their manufacturers. You know, like you've just said, you couldn't do that if your factory was in Romania, but you can do it here. And I know we're going to be speaking to your, to Rife, the chap that runs this factory later on. Yeah, and the thing is, I think when you come here, 
you know, people talk about visibility of a su supply chain, but those are just words and they think, oh, that's okay. If you make it in England, you've got visibility of your supply chain. But unless you actually go to that factory, you've got no visibility. And I sort of looked at factories and stuck my head around things and they're literally like falling down sort of sheds and very miserable in there. And, and the thing is, it's like, you know, I know all the people that make the dresses and I bring my family here and, and we have a laugh. I and mean, more importantly, if it's fun, I'll go there. And if it's not, I won't, basically. And I know that's not, again, not very professional, but, you know, Alicia, who I work with now, comes in as well. And we do muck about probably a bit too much. Would you say, right? Sometimes. <laughs> but you can tell that all the machinists, they love you and they look really happy making your products. And they're actually putting through today a lot of really fabulous sequin dresses. Do you want to just describe to people what your dresses are like? Okay, right. So um, I've never been a skinny girl and really I can't find clothes that fit me and it's... And it's as simple as that. And bombshell dresses, when you put them on, all of a sudden, all those feelings you might have about your body or yourself, they kind of go because they really are designed with that sort of old 50s aesthetic when, you know, it emphasises the waist. Um, they're, they're never kind of um, too low or too short. I love a three-quarter sleeve. You know, it's kind of, it's, they're extremely covered up, but very sort of elegant and sexy. There's some, something about it that just makes people feel amazing. So how did the brand all come about? Well, you said you didn't start as a brand. You actually, it evolved rather than being launched. Yeah, see, so yeah, I had no idea that people would give you money and they talk about seed money and all that. You know, it's like, I had just no idea about that because I was a costume designer um, working on commercials and music videos and I was li literally, it was my dream job. And, um, and I used to wear these dresses that, you know, used to make or get made. So you were making the dresses for theatre or no, television? Oh, when my job was, I was sort of like, you know, I literally did hundreds of commercials, anything from like a Roman army to a washing powder. And all over the world, it would be, it was a crazy job. It was, it was, I was perfectly happy. I was doing my dream job. So why did, how did Bombshell come about? You made, started making the dresses for yourself and people started saying they wanted to buy them? Yeah, because I'd, I'd wear, because um, it was sort of around the time skinny jeans came out and I just, you know, I'm not skinny. And so I'd kind of, you know, really like these kind of like sarong skirt designs from the 40s and 50s. And when I was sort of round and about, I saw a factory and I just went in and said, look, I really want to have a dress design like this. And it's sort of a sarong style. Alfred Shaheen was a designer that sort of kicked it off in the 40s, 50s and just made some. But because I'd sort of worked on market stalls and, um, you know, and I've always like made and sold stuff, I really enjoy it. So I just kind of, um, I used to have this little van that I used to do all my costume in. And I just sort of, got a dress bag of dresses together but I didn't know about grading I only made them in two sizes they go what grades do you want I was like what's a grade I was like I don't know small and bigger <laughs> so I'm just going to chip in here and say to those of you that don't know what grading is just like Katia so when you make a clothing sample you first make it in just one size and you get the fit of that size right first 
that in order for the factory to make your garment in other sizes, you'll need to have what's known as having it graded. And that means you'll have a set of grades, which is a set, set of patterns for your item of clothing in all the sizes that you want to make it into. And that can either be done manually by hand, which was how I was taught it at college many years ago, or more often than not these days, that is done, grading is done digitally. Right, let's go back to Katia in the factory. So at the moment in the factory, sequins are hard to sew because they break the needles. Um, and you know there's sort of sequins flying everywhere at the moment it's like Christmas it's like Christmas in there but I can go in and I can say guys I promise you we won't be making sequins after December but it's probably not true because they are so popular all year round but what I have noticed so I'm on your mailing list and I received an email today or yesterday saying that you've got a new sequin dress coming out and it's still being made in the factory so how close between when you start telling your customers they are literally getting it almost the next day as it comes off the production line aren't they yeah so we sent an email saying that they're arriving on monday because we only make a few in each size because we're so small um but then we know that so alicia will do a list and think well we've sold you know 10 yesterday so she'll come in and she'll say to rife you know can you make these ones and he'll say you know what I'll say, when can I put them for sale? And he'll say, well, they're going to arrive on Monday. And I'll say, OK, well, we'll, you know. So the turnaround is that quick, literally a few days. It can be, yes. It can be, yeah. It can be. Which you wouldn't have got out of Romania. No chance. What was your lead time with the factory you had in Romania? Oh, just whenever they made them. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking weeks, though, aren't we, by the time you oh, shipped yeah, it? Oh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, yeah. even then it was, it was um, you know, it was, I mean, all fashion, I think, on small brands, it's like the Wild West, but it really is whereabouts your Wild West is. But I think the, the good thing with with having this kind of environment with Halo is I can say to Rye, there's a lady that's going to an event on Friday and everybody really cares. It's not like they're like, oh God, whatever. They're like, there's a lady that needs to go to an event, quick. <laughs> she, needs her, she needs her dress, this has to be done. You know, Rife will go in his car to the packing house, which is um, by Tottenham Hale, and he'll drive the dresses around there himself. But you, I've, you've got this special relationship with Rife. He'll do that for you, won't he? What advice would you give to designers who want to find a manufacturer in the UK and build up that sort of relationship? What's been the key? Okay, the key is pay them as soon as they give you an invoice. Brilliant. And that's yeah. the bottom line. Should we ask? Should we ask Rife what he yeah. has to say on that? Let's let's. Um, mm. So Rife, what is the best thing about working with Katia? She's good payer. And she's got regular work, which is, that's what the factories need. Good pairs and regular work. And that's it. And you said to me earlier that one of the other things was the fact that she listens to you when you've got advice on how to make something maybe yes. a bit differently. Yes, because we got the experience, I suppose, in the factory that people like Katia, they don't see. So we have to explain it to them so that they can take advice and she's very good of listening to you. And so, how long have you been a garment manufacturer? How long have you been oh, in the industry? I've been over 30 years now. You don't look old enough. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish. 
There are hundreds of manufacturers just like Rife in London making quality garments for people like Katia and for designers that grace the catwalks at London Fashion Week. The UK Fashion and Textiles Association estimates that between them, these manufacturers employ around 13,500 machinists. So they really are the unsung heroes of London fashion. And another advantage of London factories are that any problem with the cloth problem, with the pattern problem, any problem, you can call your suppliers and they can be just there within an hour, 45 minutes, whatever. And That's just you can go me. through the problems and sort it out. You phoned me last night to tell me, uh, you phoned me at 10 past six saying, we need some more of that black lining. Yeah. And that's the company up in Yorkshire, yeah. Carrington and John Caldor. I phoned them, they were closed. Okay. But I've got to phone them, otherwise it won't be here tomorrow. And if it's yeah. not here tomorrow, you won't be able to relax it and then yes. you won't be able to cut it. Yeah. But that's a kind of example, is you can yeah. phone me saying, we haven't got okay. enough of that. You need to order 200 metres to arrive instantly. Yes, yes. And if if you're in, say, Morocco, Romania, or whatever you are, what part of the world, you know, if there is anything is missing, then that's it. Your yeah. production is buggered. So, True. you know. I think that one thing I noticed with Halo, and I reckon that at the core of it, because you think, yeah, you know, there's, there's all, you know, it's got good people and it's a good environment. It's a beautiful factory, all light down the side of it. You know, it's amazing. But I think what the root of it is, is that Rife really cares and he's very, um, you know, quality is really important to him. He's very proud about it. And you like to, he's never going to turn out anything that's rubbish. Well, if I'm not happy with it, I, I wouldn't like to give that stuff to my customer. So we have to find a solution before it goes out of the factory because there's no point sending something that customer's not going to be happy with, you know? That's the important thing. And I've got good people around me, you know, good workers that they care as well. So, you know, that's very important as well. Yeah, so it, is a, it is a bit of a family. It's a team, teamwork. I always say that factory and a manufacturer is like husband and wife. And you have to work together. Otherwise, you have a divorce. So it's the same thing with the uh, same thing with the factories and husband and wife. If one pulls it one way and the other one pulls it the other way, it's going to end up in bad. So if you work together, then it will be a success. So that's what I try to explain to people that I work with, that we have to be a team. We can't be just one way. If it's one way, you get away with it once, two, three times, and then there comes a point you just say, it's enough now, it's all one way, it's got to change. And that's what's important as well, you know? It's kind of, I think, for me, because I, it is quite scary, like a brand that's grown. I didn't intend to have a fashion brand. I just love dresses and I just, you know, just always want more of them. And so it's scary. So in some ways, you know, I'm kind of in safe hands with these guys. Like we've got Kerim here. He's like the he's like the nucleus of the factory. He's highly skilled and knows what's going on and he's you know, unbelievable. And we look after people like you with your costings as well. I mean, <laughs> you was doing your sequin dresses and it was costing was like four metres and it's costings now two and a half metres. So that's another good thing. And uh, finding our suppliers that it's going to charge her less, which is 
you know, like I said, it's like a marriage thing. I have to look after her so that she can survive to then she can give us the work. Brilliant. So it's like the ideal can partnership. Can we say about the it? pleating? No, we can't. <laughs> but... They were I... charging no. me £20 for pleating and I've got someone else to do it for £5. <laughs> He's priceless, isn't he? Absolutely. <laughs> Should we just go and have a little quick tour around the factory maybe yes. say hello to some yes. of the people who are on the factory floor as well? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Really lovely talking to you, Rai. Thank you. Right. Lovely talking to you as well. Right. Friday for the dresses. Yeah, all right, we try. Brilliant, right, let's have a little walk around. Hello, can you tell me what your name is and what you do at Halo? My name is Dana Dobre. Dana is sort of the, I would say you're sort of the chief machinist. She's making all the samples and um, she's very skilled. Yeah, I did the job for Bonshell. You like yeah, working for Bombshell? Yes, me, I do. I think we have a laugh as well, don't we? <laughs> Dana, recently I put a dress on and she said, Oh, are you having a baby? No. <laughs> I was like, Dana, no. We got I see, very nice. Before, skinny, now a little bit too flat. Yes, yeah, she's a little bit skinnier before and now I'm a bit fatter. Oh, so what would she this... say about me if she... <laughs> well, um, you know... I suppose if she's the one making the dresses, so that she knows. She knows. And you know what? She knows. Brilliant. Lovely to meet you, Dara. Thanks, Dara. Many of the staff in the Halo factory don't speak great English, so unfortunately I couldn't interview many of them. Not having English as a first language is really not that uncommon in the manufacturing industry in London. In fact, 80% of the people that work in the garment textile industry in London don't have English as their first language. Lots of them come from places like Eastern Europe, such as Bulgaria and Poland, where sewing skills are still highly prized and where they're taught at university. Now, with Brexit on the horizon, it's kind of a bit of a worry because will these people still continue to come and work in the factories in the UK? And if they don't, how is that going to affect the fashion industry? It's going to have a big impact and it really is something we have to worry about. So we're now in the uh, pressing room, aren't we, Cassia? We are. And there's a, yeah. a lot of sequin dresses going out, a lot of sequins. So I love this room because these, these boys, there is in this room, there's four people on the pressing table. And whenever I come in, I always get a massive smile. And, um, and they, seriously, they are doing. very happy chaps and it's flipping hot in here but maybe that's why they're pleased to be yeah. in here when it's so cold outside. It's, well in the summer they wear bikinis. <laughs> <laughs> I'll um, come back in the summer. So we've got here um, a whole load of sequin dresses because even though it's sequin they do need to have um they do need to be pressed which is kind of you wouldn't think they do but they the do. sequins would melt. You you do yeah so there's there's um I mean, obviously, we're a really small-scale production. You know, we're only making, like, you know, 20 of these, 10 So if I'm on that blue sequin one, I better snap that one up quick then. Yeah, that's often I don't have them, like, because we haven't made enough. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> so that's... And then, so walking into the main body of the factory, uh, a lot of the guys at the top here are doing sort of, like, coat stuff and things like that, so not as much with, with bombshell. And... Um, Monica here, who I always say hello to because she's 
so lovely. Um, and then we've got in the middle, we've got these ladies who are Chinese. And um, my daughter always loves because my daughter's half Chinese and they always give her chocolates. And this one we call Mama because, um, well, because it's, she's the eldest. <laughs> Brilliant, and they're obviously the most skilled here because they're sewing the sequins. Yeah, and there's a lady called Jean that's not here today. Where is Jean? She's not here. What way? Nor yesterday. Where is she? Oh, well, Jean, I use as a um, as a fitting model for her because her shoulder line is perfect. It's the perfect shoulder line for the dresses. So I always tell Jean, can you try these on? And Jean's quite glamorous as well because actually a lot of the ladies in here quite you know sort of wearing quite sort of dressed up clothes it's quite mm. nice really so these these ladies are doing a lot of the sequins and i have said we are going to stop doing sequins soon because there's all these bundles and then i can see little bits of cut sequins all over the floor which i suppose yes. you say ping off as they're yes. sewing them so so this table is sort of doing another part of the dress and actually the, the chap on the end who um is these guys are a bit more new um making um he's making another brand actually so um there's yeah. a lot of your stuff going through and i should probably yeah. say to people there's probably about 30 staff working in here i can see about 20 people on the machines you've got a few guys at the cutting table some people are hand cutting stuff as well yeah. that's amazing so he's hand cutting um those are uniforms because the factory make these kind of corporate uniforms as well so they do tailoring as well as your yeah, dresses they do and so these guys um these guys are highly skilled and they will have a laugh at these guys when they're cutting i've got to say sometimes when i come into the factory i think oh my goodness what if nobody buys them all making all these dresses what would happen but how what's your average sort of turnaround from when for your stock so from when you when it leaves factory floor till it, it reaches the customer. I mean, oh, it could be the next day. It is the, the next day. And it then, could be, yeah. So the stuff they're making now, you, you'll have sold all that stock within a couple of weeks. Well, I would be delighted if, I, if that happened, but, um, you know, some of this we'll sort of make because we'll know that we need to be in stock. We need to have enough stock to be in stock, but not too much stock when we put all our money into one thing and then we can't make the stuff the spring. Because at the moment, because I don't really work in the same buying pattern as as the high street or... Which is very wise. Yeah, I, I just don't, I kind of just make, I'm literally only ever like six weeks behind. So, but I do plan on next year, I really need to start scheduling. So if someone wants to buy your dresses then, yeah. how can they find them? Where can they find you, Katia? Okay, so Bombshell HQ is the website. BombshellHQ.com. Yes, and it would be really nice to have some new friends on Instagram. So, you know, having a look at exactly this, the factory and the people and the whole story behind it because um and that's at bombshell hq brilliant it's been really really lovely to see you in here today and it's also been lovely to meet all the chaps that are working in here and to meet rife and the rest of the team yeah you've got a really special place that you work with here i'm really pleased i just think it's a really it's just there are, there's just so much energy here that it's lovely and i'm so grateful and i say thank you so particularly to Karen, every day I just think, oh my God, I'm so lucky that people are, you know, helping me.
Brilliant. Thank you very much, Katia. Pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Katia in the Halo factory in Edmonton in London and also heard interviewing there. You heard um, Rife Alley, who's the owner of the factory, and Dana Lopez, who's one of the sample machinists. Now, if you enjoyed that interview in a factory, please let me know. I'd love to know whether you want to hear more interviews like that. Drop me a line to Kate at Make It British and let me know. Or you can always leave me a little review on iTunes. I really, really appreciate it. So thank you very much for listening in. If you want to find the show notes for this episode, you can go to makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash zero one zero. And I'll make sure I pop in a few photographs there of Rife and Katia in the factory. Bye. If you're interested in discovering UK manufacturers from the fashion, textiles and homeware sectors, you should definitely come to our trade show, Make It British Live. The next event is taking place on the 29th and 30th of May 2019 at the Business Design Centre in London. With over 200 exhibitors, inspiring talks just like the ones you've been listening to on this podcast and interactive workshops, it's the perfect place to network with others that want to see UK manufacturing thrive again. Registration is now open. Just go to makeitbritishlive.com forward slash register to register for a free ticket. If you're a British-made manufacturer or brand and want to find out how your business can benefit from being involved in the show, just visit makeitbritishlive.com forward slash exhibit, fill out a short questionnaire and one of my team will get straight back to you. To reach out to me personally, the best place to do this is via LinkedIn. Just look up Kate Hills and you'll find me. You'll also find me on Twitter at Make It British and Instagram at Make It British too. For all show notes for these podcasts, just go to makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash podcast and you'll find all the details. And make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing in iTunes, Stitcher or whichever is your preferred podcast app. And I really would love it if you left me a little review on iTunes. The more reviews this podcast receives, the more people will discover it and the more we can spread the word about making in the UK. Thanks once again for listening to the Make It British podcast. Bye.